Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. My name is Vivian Aqua and I'm the inclusive workplace wellness advocate. And tonight is going to be amazing because uh, first of all, I have to say something about one of our guest speakers. He could not make it, but I hope to include John in a future episode, but still I wanted to share something about tonight's episode. So um, last year around this time, I was not feeling included, not feeling like I belonged in a workplace that I was working at the time part-time. And um, I made that realization that I needed to do something. I needed to speak up. And that's how Let's Humanize the Workplace was born. Because in everything that I do, in everything who I am, I'm always thinking about how can I create uh, an environment where everybody feels at home? How can I create something where everybody can be, bring out their best self? And if I cannot bring out my best self, what can I do to address it? So um, I did the normal route. I did have that conversation, but I also wanted to know... Um, I also wanted to see how many experts or how many people are out there who are looking for the same answers that I am looking. And that is how can we all create that humanized workplace where a lot of people are longing for, especially now, whilst people are working from home. So let's humanize the workplace. Know that even though this episode is live, you also have the opportunity to listen to these episodes via the amazing other platforms, amazing podcasts, but also watch it back on YouTube. So um, with me, it's not a one night stand and that no pun intended. It's all about listening back to the various conversations that I had in the past, because I was just talking with my guest speakers today that everything that I do I am creating a thought seed and it's up to you to give your thought seed uh, uh, some TLC. So some sun, some, some water, some love, some extra, everything that you need to develop yourself on a professional level, but also on a personal level to excel in what you do to become the best you. So if there is a topic out there that I haven't discussed, please let me know or share in a comment or somewhere and I will make sure that I will add it in because Let's Humanize the Workplace is about creating that special workplace for everyone. So not only for myself, I know I have a few topic favorites, but I also want to do um, some questions, some, some, um, some themes that you feel like I haven't addressed. So please let me know so that I can include that as well. So I won't be talking the whole time because it's not about the Vivian Aqua show, right? It's about having a conversation with different guest speakers. So tonight, it will be about how can self-awareness create belonging? And like I said, unfortunately, John cannot be there tonight. So I am going to have a conversation with Beth, with Steve, and with Benjamin, and I will bring them up so that I can properly introduce them 
And give me a moment because I have a whole bio script here and I will start with Bev. So Bev, Atfield cares about the experience of people have at work and how leaders can craft and nurture engaging and inclusive workplaces. And Steve Iacovelli, also known as the gay leadership dude and the author of Pride Leadership Strategies for the LGBTQ plus leader to be the king and or queen of their own jungle of their jungle, sorry, I added that in. Uh, Benjamin Reitzhammer, I was previously also Bev, I was interviewed by Bev as well. And Benjamin, I was also interviewed by Benjamin. Um, he has an amazing podcast as well. And Benjamin is an experienced technologi technologist who leads organizations to high performance by nurturing human connections and enabling strong collaboration. And my name is Vivian Aqua, the Inclusive Workplace Wellness Advocate. And I'm looking at the screen now. It seems like I have Europe versus the other pond of the ocean, right? <laughs> it seems like, like that. <laughs> it seems like that. So, no, there won't be no fight. It's no, not a fight. Cuffs. It's not no. who's doing better. It just means we're inclusive of all parts. Well, right. almost all parts of the world. Definitely, definitely. So... Uh, let's start with the first question, and I'll start with you, Benjamin. Why do we need to humanize, and I added the virtual aspect uh, in it as well, but why do we need to humanize the, the, the workplace, whether it's working from home or whether it's in the office? What's your take on that? Um, first of all, thank you um, also for that awesome question. And um, I, I feel like... Um, the answer is already part of the, or is already a part of the question, because if you put it that way, that also, or if we ask that question that way, then it's, um, there is in it that right now the workplace is not human. It's, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, even without looking at any kind of studies or anything, I feel like, um, yeah, everybody, almost everybody that I've talked to has some some stories to tell why they feel or why they experienced um, different levels of inhumanity at their workplace. And, and of course, for, for some, it's much, much harder than for others. But um, yeah, most of all, I think we can all agree that the workplace right now and the most of the workplace right now are simply not great um, mm -hmm. or even very bad. And um, yeah, I think it's slowly changing a bit um, in, in recent years. So people are more and more like getting an understanding or finally understanding that, yeah, this is the case and finally accepting that this is the case, that not everything is really great, but really we have to do better. Um, and and so, yeah, I, I feel like, like I said, um, it's really just ask around, just talk to people. Um, you don't ask underrepresented people, but also ask um, everybody else as well. Um, and almost everybody will tell you, will be able to tell you a story that it's it's not great, the workplace out there. And can I ask you an additional question that is, what are sure. you doing in your own environment, your own circle to, to build towards that humanized workplace? Um, sure. So a lot of things, of course, um, or at mm -hmm. least I hope it's a lot of things. Um, and um, 
So first of all, I'm I'm thinking about this topic for for several years now. So um, not all of my career, but um, yeah, for a better part of the last few years. And yeah, even though um, and even so, I still don't really feel very well versed in that topic. Um, <clears throat> so. Um, yeah, but most of all, I really try to um, treat everyone around me as as a human, like with a mm -hmm. um, huge amount of respect, um, really trying to acknowledge where everybody's coming from, um, not not judging that in any way. Um, learning empathy every day and new, um, like how different people can be. Um, and again, acknowledging that, letting that stand as it is. Um, and um, yeah, I think these these this is like my the core practice you could say maybe um, of what what I'm trying to do, and everything else really follows from that. So if yeah, if if I treat people like people and and not so much as resources, um, as I've been been called in countless jobs before, um, then yeah, everything else really follows from that. Um, and that I like ask people for how do you feel about X Y Z. And then again, in order to get a meaningful answer to these kinds of questions, I need to really build trust with people. I really need to build a connection with them. Um, really need to find out like who who are you? How can how can we build a connection with each other? And how can you trust me? How can I trust you? Um, and and then lots of other things fall into place. But so I, I'd say these are like the most important things that I try to do every day. I hope that people are taking notes because these are amazing ingredients and I love that you already shared them. So I'm going over to uh, Bev. What what do you have to share, Bev? Well, I think building on what Benjamin was talking about, I think for me, if we've learned anything this year with what's unfolded with the pandemic is that a workplace is made up of a collection of individual people who have all sorts of different things going on in their world. And in mm -hmm. an office, you maybe don't get to see that, right? Because people yeah. arrive at, at the workplace, they sit at their desk, they go to the meeting room, but there's this barrier to what's happening in the rest of their lives. Now, for those of us who have moved to having to work remotely in our homes or wherever we've had to go, um, suddenly that barrier has been lifted and we mm. now see everyone in their natural environment, right? And we see warts and all what that looks like for people. And I, I feel like it's given us a much deeper understanding at an individual level of some of the struggles and stresses that people have mm -hmm. that they're trying to manage in addition to their work. And for me, that's been a, a tremendous gift because I feel like it's given us as employers and leaders in particular, um, some cues and triggers to understanding our people better and being more empathetic and understanding people's unique circumstances and not being able to treat people as one amorphous group of people that all behave and show up in the same way because they don't. So, you know, I, I think... I, I, just want to, I just want to stop you because you said something that has to be shared again, and that is we are not all the same stop treating us like we are one and all the same right 100 and i think that is um to another point that 
Benjamin raised, I think over time we have been shifting towards more humanized workplaces. It's, it's happening mm-hmm. slowly, but I, I think it was happening even before the, the pandemic um, arrived. And, you know, things like further emphasis on employee experience and DE&I and, um, you know, the, what I'd like to call the democratization of the employee within workplaces where people's individual needs are now what's driving businesses, right? It's it's not the other way around anymore. So those organizations that are pretending or hoping to go back to normal, um, there is no normal to go back to. And honestly, why would we want to go back to that? People weren't happy. Um, productivity was, was terrible. People weren't fulfilled. Um, you know, we we're not seeing the same degree of, uh, you know, opportunity, I, I, mm-hmm. I think, if we were to look back as we have now. And maybe that's just my optimist way of looking at the world. But I think from an individual employee perspective, this it's a game changer. We've 100% turned things around and we should embrace that as far as we can. I like that. I like that you embrace that, though there are different situations where companies do treat people like ish they do treat people like dirt and um, I just had this conversation earlier today that people are being furloughed or being um, being let go like they are nothing like they meant nothing so I want to raise this point as well as if you have to let go of a person know that it's a person they have a family they have a connection with your company and the last thing that you want to cause is more sorrow more sadness because the numbers didn't add up there are also human ways of letting people go like investing maybe a hundred dollars in their courses or directing them to free courses that they can do to uh to at least upskill their talent. And I wanted to share, oh, no, wrong card. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to share this one. <laughs> I was so listening card, any to card. you. Yes. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show. Um, super excited. And and when I, when I read the... Um, when I read the question, the first thing that popped into my head was something one of my professors said when I was getting my doctorate's actually in mm-hmm. instructional technology and distance education. So this world of Zoom and, and mm-hmm. StreamYard and all this, this mm-hmm. has kind of been my jam pre-COVID. So um, I zeroed in on the word yeah. virtual and the humanization part of it. And that, that really, really like like went up. And one of my professors said, uh, I'm paraphrasing because it's been a while uh but he said something very similar to this like the very first week when i started my program the virtual world should get as close to the face-to-face world as possible and i think that that even um you know pre-covid we should we should be striving to do that um you know, when we as leaders, what can we do to, to do that? Well, when we're having those meetings, make everybody turn their darn camera on. I don't walk into a boardroom meeting with a bag on my head. So, you know, like there's little strategies that we can do as leaders that really foster that that inclusivity, that humanization. Um, and we model that behavior. So it's going around and, and, and I mean, you did a, a beautiful job with this, Vivian, where you know, some, some of us might have been more introverted and can't talk off the fly. So you gave mm-hmm. those to us before. Brilliant, mm-hmm. because you're you're keeping in mind the differences of the humans within. You know, in this case, we'll pretend we're a workplace of four, uh, but it's really allowing us as leaders to think about. Okay, well, yeah, there's technology in the way, but how do we overcome it? What can we do? You know, and and let's not lose. I, I think to both Bev and Benjamin's point. You know, 
we still want to engage with those around us. And while we can't walk down the, the office and have a, a virtual coffee with somebody or, or a real coffee, can we do that virtually? Or yeah. can we engage in that, that quote unquote water cooler talk that, mm -hmm. that folks have? And so I think that's the, just like Bev, I think this is why Bev and I click the glass half full kind of thing. Um, you know, like so that's the opportunity I see here, and I love that we now have this opportunity. To Bev's point as well, we were slowly getting there. Now we've just been like pushed out of the nest, and we have to figure this out. And some people yeah. are are engaging in that a little bit differently than others, but I think it's an opportunity from from at least my glass half full perspective. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And also what I I just wanted to say something and I lost it because I was attentively listening to you. So first of all, <laughs> um, it will come back. I just wanted to share this awesome card, but it will come back. And um, we are talking about self-awareness. And Bev, since you brought this up, I'll start with you. Why? No. Can you share why self-awareness is important for boosting belonging in the workplace and maybe share your definition of belonging? Because I think before we start, you know, you start answering that question is also to, important to know that people realize what the definition is of belonging or how you see that. Well, I see belonging as, as feeling, first of all, part of a group, but... Mm -hmm. The second part of it is feeling like I can be myself fully in that group. So those would be the, the two parts of it. And belonging is one of our basic human needs, right? It's if we think about Maslow and his hierarchy of needs, it, it is one of the core human needs. And that doesn't go away in the workplace magically, right? It isn't this sort of inner sanctum where those needs no longer exist because we're all living, breathing humans wherever we go. So we have those needs wherever we go. Mm -hmm. So belonging for me really is in the workplace context is about feeling like I can be there as my full self and I feel embraced for my full self. So you would say belonging is the formula for uh, the E as in equity and inclusion, I, E-I? Yeah, definitely. I think it's the underpinning for, for everything in an organization. Mm -hmm. it, it's definitely the underpinning for culture. I mean, mm -hmm. if you think about culture in and of itself, it's a group that's created by the practices and rituals of that group. So, yep. you know, it, love it or leave it, culture is there. And yeah. maybe it does create a bit of an, an, an in-group, out-group situation because mm -hmm. you're creating with your workplace culture, the in-group, right? Like that's you want people to be part of that group. Um, I think that's a healthy thing for an organization because you're necessarily creating um, the operating manual for your organization that is your rituals and behaviors and it doesn't mean that people can't be individual and um, show up as themselves. It just means it's sort of the guideline for how you do operate within that culture. So I, I think that, you know, belonging is, is the root of everything. If, if, mm -hmm. you, if you want to um, really help your people to be fulfilled and flourish in your organization, if you don't care about that, then why would you care about belonging? So that's simply put. And how does self-awareness add into the creation of belonging? Well, I think self-awareness necessarily implies self and it's, it's mm -hmm. what I know about myself. And in terms of belonging, it's got two parts. For, for me, self-awareness is first of all about 
understanding what my own needs are to belong and what does that look like for me and to what degree do I need to feel like I belong Mm -hmm. and then what does that look like in terms of what the workplace needs to provide to me to realize that Um, but the other part of it is self-awareness around my own shortcomings in terms of how I make others feel like they belong so do I operate with stereotypes have I got skill gaps in that I don't know how to demonstrate empathy. So I don't know how to understand what someone else needs to feel like they belong. Um, Is it self-awareness around language that I use that excludes people? Mm, So that's a good, that's a good rephrasing of that. Yeah. 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 So for me, it's got, it's got two sides and I I don't know, Benjamin and Steve probably have their own perspectives on it, but that's really how I think about it. And because it starts with self. And as I've said earlier, I believe that, organizations start with individuals, Um, if each of us don't have self-awareness, then we really can't humanize the workplace. So that's in a nutshell how I think about it. Steve. Of course, I have a slide for this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When I was was thinking about uh, kind of this question and and, and moving forward, uh, there was... um, there's an opportunity that that I used to do whenever I teach diversity and inclusion, and you start with the the conversation of well, what is mm-hmm. diversity? And and for me, you know, diversity is is the many similarities and differences between people. Yeah. So there's that, um, and then inclusion is is uh, the many um, is you know, bringing those folks into the world. As as when I started this this area of focus. Um, I, it was when I was actually at Disney and, and I was teaching this. And one of my mentors said, um, diversity is being invited to the dance and inclusion mm-hmm. is actually being asked to dance. And now if we, mm-hmm. we look at belonging, that's kind of like the next generation. Yeah. And to me, belonging is that feeling of, uh, of respect and included that I can bring my full and authentic self to work. And, and so uh, in, in the dancing analogy, it's, you know, I'm, I'm invited to dance. I'm actually asked to dance. And now with belonging, it's I can dance any way I want. And that's completely okay. And so well, you're and a good dancer or a bad dancer? I'm not. Uh, it depends <laughs> on, the, on the style of music. I actually, side note, I had to take ballroom dancing as a college graduate. And I was okay. <laughs> so I, but I don't care. Like that's the great thing about belonging. You can just really be that dancer how you were. And and so, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I always put all this stuff through the lens of leadership because that's really mm-hmm. kind of my intersection. So as leaders, what we should be doing is making sure that we are foster fostering that sense of belonging for those of us uh, within the workplace. So mm-hmm. to Deb's awesome point, you know, what language am I using? I know um, here in the states, I'm originally from the Philadelphia area, and one slang term for or a, a gaggle of people is use guys. And mm. so I luckily never really picked that up. Um, now that I live uh, in Orlando, Florida, in the quote unquote south of the US, uh, you say y'all as an inclusive, well, that's much more inclusive actually. And so you start to think a little tiny things like that that really can have a big impact on folks. Mm-hmm. And, and to, to Bev's point about the um, the inclusivity piece, uh, I, I, I when I teach all this stuff, I, I try to think about it through the lens, and this is where the slide comes in, is, is you look at it through three different lenses. You think in, you speak up and you act out. And, and so to your point about the self-awareness, that's what think in means to me, is I need to have that mindfulness of what am I doing? What am I not doing? What is that language I'm using? Um, how is that impacting? What are the behaviors that I'm doing? And so so you absolutely have to start with you and speak up as kind of around you, mm-hmm. act out as the, the larger organization. But you can't make any leadership change unless you start within your own personal head. Awesome. Thank you. Benjamin. 
Wow, that's that's really hard speaking after these. It's two not. It's not a people. competition. Oh. It's not a competition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but still, I mean, I, I of course also want to mm -hmm. add something, um, like at least a little bit of original. Um, I cannot add much to the definition. Um, I mean, both of you really nailed it there. I would have picked up like the same um, analogy that Steve did. Um, Maybe add just one more thing, which is um, the word belonging for me um, is already says it all in a way um, in that I want to, I want the feeling, I want to belong. I want to have the feeling of I, I do belong here and I'm not some, some outsider in there, <clears throat> what Bev said with regards to in-group and out-group. So I want to belong to that group, that feeling that, yeah, maybe even desire, um, if that's there, then um or maybe let's say a healthy desire, um, like in that sense that it can actually be fulfilled. Um, yeah, that's that's belonging, um, plus everything that was mm -hmm. already said. And how and how um, do you see self awareness being important for belonging? Um, again, what um, what Steve and Bev already said was, um, yeah, covered almost everything um, that I I would have said. I'm, I want to add maybe one more thing, which is that, um, yeah, self-awareness can help me, um, can help increase my resilience in a place mm -hmm. where I maybe not belong. Yeah. So being aware of myself, being aware of my, my strength, being aware of my capabilities, being aware um, also where myself ends and the system around me or the systems around me start, being aware of all these moving parts of this this complex system and how these things uh, all these aspects interact that can help me yeah build up resilience and really escape this whole um yeah drama triangle thing um where where when maybe when i'm the person who um yeah does not belong for for any kind of reason um Self-awareness can help me escape that um, drama triangle and that I'm not the victim anymore. Um, yeah. But them, which is of course also wrong, but somebody else um, is, is, is acting in a way and I still have my own, yeah, self-worth, self-responsibility for my, for my own, uh, for myself, for my feelings about how I feel about the things that happen around me. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, self-awareness can really help me get, get stronger and be more resilient. Um, I'm curious to hear, just a quick question, I'm curious to hear, when did this self-awareness start in your career? Was this early? Was this in the, in the middle? Or was this where you're at right now, just a few years ago? Maybe yeah. share a short answer about when did this start? That's a hard one. Um, one that I've been <laughs> trying to answer for myself for maybe mm -hmm. like the last 20 or 25 years. I don't know. Um, the short answer is, um, I think it started, um, before my, my work career. Um, mm -hmm. when, when I learned, when, when I had a, um, a partner back then who was really able to, to mirror me and to show me mm -hmm. how I'm perceived by, by other people and how, I'm perceived as an asshole. Sorry for a strong language here, mm -hmm. but uh, um, 
how how my way of speaking, how my way of being um, sarcastic and, and all that um, is really hurting people around me. And it's really um, making me not reach people. And yeah. um, so I think that that kind of kicked it off um, really. And then it evolved in some way. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sharing and Beth what about you um I think I've I've probably known myself pretty well you know from a very young age um and knowing you know what some of my stronger traits are and I think that the, the difference is actually mm -hmm. doing something about the things that are perhaps standing in my way um but I, I would say in terms of what was there a line drawn in the sand um yeah I, I had a, a pretty significant life event happened about 10 years ago and um, that event was was pretty traumatic and it, it really made me step outside of things and and just realize that and this is something that stuck with me ever since then is you don't know what any person is dealing yeah. with at any moment in at any part of the day yeah. and they are carrying so much with them that they're hiding and they're not showing so my own self-awareness extended into being self-aware of other people and realizing that, um, you know, you have to just be sensitive and kind to people and um, just be kind to yourself first. Like that, that mm -hmm. was the, 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 the biggest learning that I took away. So I think that, that that's for me, um, it was definitely a life event that sort of shook me up and, and made me realize how really to be self-aware. It's good that you're bringing this up because people don't realize that we are all in this tornado or in, in this huge storm. But the thing that people don't realize is maybe I'm in a rubber boat or maybe you are in the yacht or maybe you have your own private plane, just like our king who took his private plane to escape. Now I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sharing too much about the Netherlands, but <laughs> we all have our own vehicle to embrace or to go to go through this storm and not seeing that maybe somebody lost somebody at the moment or a loved one or dealing with financial insecurities. And therefore, I just want to spread more human reactions, more empathy and more kindness in the world, because that's what we need to at least brace this storm at the moment. Steve, what, what about you? Uh, yeah, similar to Bev, um, I would actually put it to mm -hmm. a life event. In this case, when I figured out mm. my authentic self, I didn't come out until 24 years old. So I went through undergrad, you know, everything was fine, quote unquote. And, and you know, this white cisgendered, quote unquote, straight dude didn't have a lot mm -hmm. of, you know, the, the privilege was there and I didn't have to think about that. And then once I figured my authentic self out and the first time I got gay bashed, I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. I am an other now. This is interesting. And so my lens really shifted. And then I started to understand a little bit more about, well, gee, what if I, you know, what are my female friends going yeah. that I don't see them? What are my people of color friends seeing? And so I'm, I'm fortunate that I was able to open my eyes. And, you know, I just turned 50 last Yay. week. So it's like half my life now. <laughs> Yay. Um, half my life has been in this, you know, non- white cisgender white dude bubble kind of thing mm -hmm. and, and I'm, I'm so happy for that and thankful for that because I might not have you know, to your your wonderful word uh, empathy I may not have have had the opportunity to really exercise that that empathetic lens had it not been for discovering my own true authentic self okay 
that comes to the next question and that is since we are ending with you why not start with you steve so can you share one reason why belonging needs to be every leader's priority especially yes. now when i teach this uh kind of stuff with clients um we actually have this conversation and mm -hmm. and I, i and i do this for twofold one because it's, it's a great question but mm -hmm. two i have found that when i do these workshops for and i do it for like corporate clients um people are at various levels of engagement when it comes mm -hmm. to um, exercising inclusivity within the workplace so i kind of start like here's here's what i think are the three ways the first is you know we as leaders we as a business a workplace engage in uh embracing in, in inclusivity and fostering a sense of belonging because depending on where we live in the world, legally we have to. So there's kind of that punitive part. But then on the opposite side of the spectrum, it's, well, it's the right thing to do. It makes the world mm -hmm. that much better. And so in that continuum, then in the middle is the concept of, you know what, it actually makes your business better and the business case. And so I, I approach it from people. I know that they're, you know, I would venture a guess the four of us in this virtual room are on that kind of ethical social makes the world a better place spot. Mm -hmm. um, but not everybody's there. And I, I do, in, being inclusive and, and respectful, I embrace that. But however, um, and I use the phrase, I don't know if it's going to translate for folks, um, that I made up a word or it's a made up word called voluntold which mm -hmm. is like, like, you know, I, someone, a lot of times people are in my workshops because they were voluntold to be there, meaning their boss said, it's a really good idea. <laughs> so, and I respect that. And I know you can say they are forced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Com compulsory, I think is what my, my British friends say. Um, but, you know, I, and I understand that. And so I go into these workshops as, you know, if nothing else, somebody changes their behavior because they're like, wow, this is going to benefit the business and me and my yeah. team that's cool okay the outcome's still the same you're being more inclusive i would love for people to get into that more it's the right thing to do to make the world that much better yeah. yes of course awesome sauce but not always going to happen but i think that's that's kind of the way that i like to phrase it up for leaders is you know, one of these three ways should resonate with you all three might but uh, if, at least let's start at the middle um and, and go with that business impact and, and go from there that tends to be a good way uh, for folks to kind of get on board yeah Yeah, and also uh, what I wanted to add is uh, more and more companies are applying this formula, are applying belonging, are applying the I in the company. And when you realize that your competitor is doing better regarding these topics, yeah, aren't you missing out and aren't you missing clients? There are people maybe not looking at your company as the top 10 company, but as a company because... They saw at Indeed or they saw at Great Places to Work or they saw what what is the other platform. There are so many job platforms out there where people can really share something about inclusivity or something about being a dot, dot, dot workplace that isn't, yeah. you know, that does not pay a positive contribution regarding humanizing the workplace. So know that even though people are more vocal, it will show to your stakeholders and even stakeholders are asking about show me the numbers what are yep. you doing what is your policy what what are you doing there so i'm seeing a, i'm seeing improvements it in my case i would say i want it to be amplified but then again every baby step that people are taking Absolutely. every baby step a company is taking 
is a good step in my case. What what I think is going to also come out of this this COVID time is so you know we're talking about right fit talent and and mm -hmm. you know we're we're taking geography <laughs> yeah. out of the mix for a yeah. lot of roles and organizations and workplaces. So now you have to be even that much more attractive to get the right talent because they don't just have to live down the street. They can be across the country, across the world. And so I if I'm a smart workplace and I'm a smart leader, I need to think through like, how am I making the, our workplace that much more um, enticing for somebody mm -hmm. to come and say like, I, I wanna go work with Benjamin's company. They're doing yeah. cool stuff. And yeah. they're, they're a workplace that fosters belonging and authenticity. And he, and so he I, at least has cool cards. He's very cool <laughs> cards, it's a movement cards, yeah. So I, I think that's to me, one of the exciting things about COVID is it's gonna force some organizations who maybe still aren't embracing this kind of stuff. Yeah. If they wanna be competitive or, or stay competitive and get right fit talent they're gonna have to uh and that's kind of cool yeah definitely benjamin the guy with the cool cards <laughs> yep um yeah we're, we're, everything that steve said of course and i really want to build up on that last point that you made um about um like finding talent and the competition for talent in a way is that um belonging or self-awareness can create belonging. And um, so self-awareness um, is in a way like a continuation of that with what Steve just shared. So once I've managed to mm -hmm. um, attract all that great talent, um, if I don't um, feel, make them feel like they belong, then that's that can have like a serious business impact. I mean, we all know several numbers probably for like how much does it cost when when a person yeah. already leaves after like six months of, of being on the job. So um, this can really suck um, and this can cost a lot of money for a company. So um, yeah, in a, in a way it's, it just makes so much sense from a business point of view. Um, but then also um, as Steve is correctly presumed, I'm much more on the, on the, for me, it was on the right side, the ethical, social aspect. Um, again as a leader i should be um self-aware like um if i want to create a belonging space or if i mm -hmm. just want to create a high performing space um for for my people um i need to um yeah i need to be empathetic i need to um be meet them where they are um so they can feel um comfortable they can feel belonging and and so on <clears throat> and yeah so as a leader i, I must be self-aware um and if if I'm self-aware and I look around my world, I talk to people and how their workplace sucks and so on, then from for me there's it's just logical to to then say like okay, yeah, I can I must improve the life of the people mm -hmm. around me. I must improve the workplace around me um, because it's just the right thing to do. I mean, yeah. if I'm if I have a grain of self-awareness, then I really don't know how how else you can act really yeah it's it's good that you're mentioning and also i i like that you mentioned something about talent leaving the company too early so they may be uh, maybe a half a year or within a year or maybe within two years even though your talent is leaving it's a it's already a leak so it's most of the time you cannot solve that or you cannot prevent that but what I want you, I want to encourage you to find out what it is. Why are they leaving so that you can 
repair it so that you can do something because if you don't hold these interviews or these exit interviews within three months or you wait until they forget therefore you don't know what to fix anymore right you will still be having a leakage of talent and still people are leaving so i would encourage you to reach out to those people who are leaving and do an exit interview a heart-to-heart exit interview where they are able to share the real reason why they are leaving beth yeah i I completely agree with what stephen benjamin shared but I th- I think to take it one step further, I think if you do it for no other reason, do mm. it for yourself. Because if you show up as a an authentic, vulnerable human being who really cares about whether or not other people are belonging <laughs> I need and those cards. feeling cared for, <laughs> um, you know, that's going mm-hmm. to help you grow as a person. And that spills yeah. over into other parts of your life. So accepting that you've got limitations, accepting that you've got work to do for yourself, putting the ego aside, um, mm. or maybe it's the ego that drives us actually, because you know we all yeah. want to feel be- like we belong and fulfilled and, and cared for as well, right? So I, I just feel like the work's got to start with yourself and that for, for leaders, if, if they don't have any other reason, you know, success of the business, retaining um, employees, being part of their workplace culture, just yeah. do it for yourself because you are going to see, you're going to reap the benefits of investing in yourself ultimately. And and people need you to show up in that way, right? Like if you're going to be part of, of an authentic organization. And she drops the mic. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, if you I'm are going to be part of it. That wasn't a threat. <laughs> So coming towards the next <laughs> the next part, we have been talking about the company. We have been talking about the leaders, but there has to be some accountability towards the, the people, the employees. So what kind of reflective questions should talent be asking themselves to increase their self-awareness? And I'll start with you, Ben. Benjamin. <laughs> I was unsure for a moment. Um yeah, so what 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 I like to um, yeah I, I like to refer to the concept of I don't know if that's actually a thing, but like for me it's a thing um, is self contact like mm. being self aware is is one thing self contact being in contact with yourself with your feelings with um, also your physical self like. If I sit somewhere, it's almost like meditating sometimes. Like if I sit somewhere and how does the chair feel around me? How does the how does my feet feel on the ground and so on? So um yeah, self-contact is is like a helpful first step for me. Um, because it's in in a way, even though I might have said something else right now, but it's it's a little bit less esoteric for some. Um, it's not it's not so much about like uh, spiritual aspects and so on. It can be, but um, but just asking yourself like, how am I right now? How do I mm-hmm. feel right now? Um, especially like that during um, yeah at the start of meetings um, to to simply like take a just ten seconds, not not longer, or if you need more time, then of course also longer. But just take ten seconds and ask like yourself. You don't have to share it. Um, can 
then that's a check-in, but you don't have to just ask yourself, like, how am I right now? How do I feel? How does my body feel? Um, where am I coming from? Um, that's, that's another great question, so to speak. And so, and when you ask these questions in the beginning, it might be a little bit hard to answer them if you're not used to, um, like if you don't have build up vocabulary for feelings for yourself. And so, um, what really helped me also in the beginning was like this feelings wheel by, I have to look it up, Gloria Wilcox, Dr. Gloria Wilcox. Um, so simply like, a, to have a vocabulary, um, that can help me like put whatever I'm feeling right now into words mm -hmm. that others can don't have to, but can understand. Um, that's really helpful. So from there, you can, of course, also always go deeper and talk about the difference between feelings and emotions, but it really starts with this being in contact with yourself, um, with your body, but also with just like, how am I right now? Mm -hmm. I, I, I like that. And it reminds me of what my son has in school. Well, at least from the time that I was allowed to go in school, right before this, this whole lockdown, they had uh, an emoji um emotions wheel where the kids could at least share today i'm feeling a little bit sad and then they had a, a small you know on, on a conversation with the teacher or they're feeling happy and why is it that we as adults don't do a check-in with ourselves so thank you for sharing that we need to check in with ourselves bev yeah, I think an extension of that is checking in with what's happening around mm -hmm. you. You know, part of self-awareness is understanding where you find yourself, uh, you know, who else is there with you? Um, what are the circumstances? What does the environment look like? So that's sort of context awareness. So, you know, reading the room, if you will, for um, how you're showing up and then what does that mean for others around you? So learning those cues, mm -hmm. um, learning to understand the impact of your words and your actions, and then taking the feedback that you get and actually improving yourself and continuing to learn and, and grow as an individual. So if you know that you show up, um, Benjamin, you were mentioned earlier, um, you know, your default is to be sarcastic. Um, well, take the cues that you're seeing around you and think about how you can actually retain that essence of yourself, but express it in a way that isn't harmful or hurtful mm -hmm. to other people. So I think those two layers are necessarily part of um, self-awareness, which is context and impact awareness. Yeah, I love it. Thank you, Bev. And Steve? When I think about, you know, this, this kind of conversation, uh, I, I often think about a, a situation where I was in a conference room, similar to this one, and a gentleman, it was a, a client we were at, and at the very head of the table was this uh, male executive, and that's important to the story. And just as we're about to start the meeting, it was like the final meeting, the whole, I had one of my top doggers, one of my consultants with me, and the rest was like the project team from the client. And just as we're about to start, this this exe male executive said, well, you know how all women drive. Mm. And everyone just stopped. But <laughs> at that moment, no one said a word. And mm. and it was I was about to say something, and Lori, my top dogger, kind of kicked me under the table. Um, and she's just, wait. she goes, wait. And I'm, she, I'm so glad she did that. Because what, and I'm sure you all know this, but um, you know, at that exact moment in time, we were all engaging in silent collusion. And I think when we when we try to push this out to those of us around me and those who aren't familiar with what silent collusion is, 
it's it's the practice of neither supporting nor defending the rights of others to be fully included in the workplace. So what's happening right now? Right? It's, it's that exact moment, exactly. And so so what I've seen both leaders and team members do that can completely and utterly not just erode their own credibility and trust, but also mm -hmm. really create a sense of, of not belonging within the workplace is to not defend those types of things uh, and, yeah. and not really kind of call people out on that. So when we talk about, you know, how do we increase that self-awareness, I think it's holding each other accountable to, uh, and we could go in so many different directions, but for at least this one idea of you, know, you talking about those things, you know, and I, I, I do this cheeky thing and I won't go too deep into this. Um, I, I created this, this concept called Mopsam. So if you know what kind of dog this is, it's a Hungarian pulley mop. Mm -hmm. uh, his name is Sam. And so if you put his acronym together, it's six strategies for people to help remember to not engage in silent collusion in the workplace. And it, it's mm. cheeky and it's silly, but it works. And because like, you know, for example, um, you know, if someone says that stupid disparaging remark and you don't say anything or do something, then you're, you're supporting that, or at least you're perceived yep. to be supporting it. So maybe I do something like, um, I pull, I say a non-word, which is the, the S and not Sam. So I, and that's actually what happened in the story. This gentleman who wasn't even sitting at the table, he was new to the project, was against the wall, and he just folded his hands and went, damn. And that was a very, very clear message that he was not on board <laughs> with this signal. And then it kind of started everybody else saying, yeah, Bob, what did you mean by that? And so mm -hmm. the great thing is, you know, that, that gentleman opened the doors for us to hold accountability to, in this case, this very, very senior executive, Bob. And he had the courage to do that, which was amazing. And, and then everybody kind of got on board with that. And they're like, well, yeah, Bob, our values say we're supposed to be inclusive. What are you doing? And, and Bob was operating under his unconscious bias. And that's a whole other conversation. But I think it's these types of things, whether it be Mopsam or whatever, that we can do to hold each other accountable when we hear those not so cool things said in the workplace. Yeah. Next time, every time that I get into a situation where somebody is not activating their Mopsam, I have a dog to 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 remind He's myself also. <laughs> I mean, my brand is top dog learning group, so yeah, it also fits there too. <laughs> okay, so coming coming back to you, Bev. Um, we are almost at the end, and I always leave or I always close off the show with a wish. We are almost at the end of 2020. We are starting almost with 2021. Hopefully, somewhere next year we can say we can pursue a new better normal where there is a humanization in the workplace and where there is belonging and what will be your wish well i think i'd i'd like to hope for not a repeat of 2020 that's for sure mm -hmm. although if we uh, if we gain the, the the change and the the rate of change that we've gained from this year that would be a good thing but i think my wish would be that we continue to dismantle the sources and attitudes of exclusion and we without sounding um soft about this yeah. you know I, I think we we need to get back to the core of what it means to be humans and we are humans everywhere we go we don't stop being a human when we arrive at work and i think that is part of dismantling those attitudes and um sort of stereotypes and ways of behaving that are destructive right now so that's my wish i'm there with you thank you for sharing that and benjamin I prepare to be come after Steve. But, um, <laughs> I need to switch it, it up. 
to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah as, as Steve said earlier, um, you, he, um, you shared this question before and so, and I'm very thankful for that, but because this kind of question always mm -hmm. throws me off a bit because I can never really decide between my like idealist self and my realist self. So my, my realist is like, um, people are a little bit more aware about them themselves and their impacts. Um, like what Bev said earlier about the context that one or everyone is in and yeah, being more self-aware and with regards to that and, um, yeah, being more in contact with themselves in order to, yeah, allow more people to, to belong in the mm -hmm. spaces that. Mm -hmm everybody right now belongs to. So everything being a little, little bit more inclusive, you could say maybe. Um, yeah. And the, the idealist would be like, okay, no more pay gaps and um, no more. Um, yeah, everybody being aware of kind of like the structural isms that, that are out there um, and, and not feel threatened by them. Um, mm -hmm. Like, or be everybody being self-aware enough so that I don't feel threatened by them because in my experience like a lot of people whether they can actually say it out loud or not um they they feel threatened by um yeah even people who are not like directly affected um by something like racism um they are still like threatened by it um and yeah i hope i'm making sense sorry you're making um, sense i get you Okay. Yeah. So somewhere between those, those two extremes <laughs> would be nice. It, it sounds amazing. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping they're with you. So, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that we can at least get to a better place where we are than where we are right now. Steve. When I think about this one and, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that I would really, really, really like mm -hmm. for us to be doing in, in 2025, but the, the one is, um, you know, there's, there's a quote by Stephen Covey, the big leadership guru, and he, you know, most people don't listen with the intent to understand, they listen with mm -hmm. the intent to apply. And I think if I think about 2025, it's that listening will be a bigger deal yeah. than it is right now. And I, I think we're getting there, but really hearing our, you know, all the quote unquote other stories and, and really listening to not just respond to, well, you know, oh, what, oh, great. Well, here's what I think. No, really trying to understand what people are saying, experiencing, feeling, and then what can we do if it's, if it's that, that feeling and they're sharing that it's not a good place that I'm at. Are you hearing me? And what are you going to do to take action so that yeah. uh, it doesn't happen? So that's kind of my yeah. hope for 2025, that we're more um, more listening to understand versus listen to reply. Listen and learn. That's what I what that's how I share it. We need to activate that more often instead of uh, forcing people to follow something or to uh, embrace something that they are not ready for. But what you can do is activate the listen and learn so that at least they are aware. So I, I totally ag agree. And this has been a very inspiring and impactful conversation. And I just wanted to thank the three of you for making this happen. I'm hoping that, you know, those who are leaders, and that means also all the people are leaders because you can be a self-leader as well, that you will 
at least work on the things that were shared here so that you can amplify your self-awareness and that you can amplify belonging not only for yourself but also for other people that you are working with and for so thank you for uh, watching this conversation and again uh, I would recommend just re-watching uh, the show or re-listening to the show and I also wanted to highlight next week's episode as well it will be an interesting conversation because today I'm talking about belonging and next week I'm talking about what happens when people are being excluded the hard way right the harsh way so Workplace bullying is a, a very delicate topic. I have been in several situations myself, and I felt like now is the time to have this conversation with amazing guest speakers as well. And I'm hoping that you will join this session uh, as well and uh, looking forward to next week. So uh, I want to say thank you to my guest panel of today, Benjamin, Beth, and Steve for sharing your uh, amazing thought seats. And uh, I hope you'll join the next episode. So thank you. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your morning or enjoy your <laughs> afternoon. It's my evening here. Thank and you, uh, this is the thank last God. thing that I'm going to do. And shut down. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Thank you. Good self-awareness. Good self-awareness. <laughs> thank you for watching. Take care. Thank you very thank much. You. Be well. Bye-bye.